everyone, it is episode 377 of This Is Whole Life, where we discuss weekly the topics and the things and the stories and the messages and your questions that come about from those messages here at Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. This week is week eight of the Chosen series. I think we're going to take the spoiler alerts off now. I mean, if you've made it this far and, you know, if, if you happen to hear something today, well, we did we did our best to try to shield you from all of those things. And this week, I'm, ex- uh, I'm particularly excited. This was your excited. favorite episode. It was. And I had not watched this. I, I think I've only seen this. I'd only seen it twice. We went to the theater to support The Chosen, went with a group of about 40, 35, 40 of us, and went and filled up. You know, the perfect seats right in the middle, about mid-height in the middle, got all the best sound, got the best picture, and we they released those in theaters, episodes one and two, earlier this year. And it was pretty amazing, actually, to see it in the theater seating, seating setting with the, the audio and, and just the, the, the big screen. It was, it was pretty cool. But I had forgotten why, all the, I mean, all the reasons why that I liked this episode. And there's one thing in particular, which we'll get to, but the first one was Matthew. I mean, if you haven't fallen in love with Matthew's character as portrayed here in this holy imagination that the chosen has taken to see that Matthew probably to this point has grown more so than anybody else in the show from someone who just, you can almost feel a self-loathing in the beginning of who he is because of the weight that he carries from his family, from his people, that he's betrayed them, but also not enough to not do it. And to have him at his parents' house, actually having his dad speak with him and him not, I, I, I kind of got the feeling like maybe he didn't even understand all the things Jesus said. He said, my rabbi said that this so I'm pretty sure he's right. I don't all know exactly what all of it means, but I've at least taken in enough that I know that I need to come here and ask for your forgiveness. And I thought that was pretty, that whole scene was pretty powerful in and of itself and was like, man, how could that not be part of your... Yeah, I'm, I, I think that's, and Ken, you brought it into your sermon a little bit. It, it seems like we're seeing now this this new season, season three, is becoming far more in depth on these character examinations of each person. The other piece that I thought they did a really good job of was a scale of people coming to see Jesus. Yes. Yeah, creates a bit of a problem, and you know, you don't even think about that kind of thing when you start to realize these are people coming from long distances and literally creating, they had it look like they were creating these little mini villages Yeah, in what that brings in as well. So I, I like the way in which it's not just character development or exploration, but it's also this idea of if we're going to be honest with the Bible, we have to be honest with what the context of that yeah. era would be like. And if these things were actually happening, yeah, and, and that's the part that I thought was, and yeah, how would it have gone for Matthew's family to have to deal with their son becoming one of the you know yeah tax collectors, whether his dad was a businessman yeah, or not, whatever he was, yeah. But you, I think it's accurate that the family was surely shunned because of his yeah. chosen yeah. work, and then the tent city. I thought that was was yeah. here's people traveling from all over. They're living without. All the basic necessities of life. I mean, who knows where the bathroom is? You're, you know, you're cooking and uh, over a fire. You're living outside, and you have no idea when Jesus is or may not come back. I mean, right. there's no guarantee that he's going to be there, and yet they're not going anywhere. And then Simon just faced again with <laughs> the past. With yeah, the past that he can't escape either. And it just, all of these things put together, the 12 are patched up and paired up with people that they're looking around the table going, oh no, please Jesus, don't, you know, Z's probably saying, Jesus, please not Matthew, please not Matthew. And that was before he knew that he was, that he was a tax collector. I don't think before The Chosen, I'd ever thought about who Jesus paired with two by two. Yeah. I never, I I don't think I'd really thought it, I, I just, I don't know if maybe the thought went, well, maybe, maybe, you know. James and John went together and Andrew and Peter and but I just love that 
you know, how the, the chosen made me rethink it. I mean, Jesus was so intentional with everything that he did that he, it, it just absolutely seems logical that he would have been very thoughtful about who he paired with whom. Mm-hmm. And not just for the sake of going out and preaching two by two, but for their character development. Because when you look at <laughs> who in the chosen, who they imagined were, were paired together, I like the way they imagined it because it, it makes sense to me that Jesus picked people that might not necessarily really get along yeah. the best or who needed to be able to figure out how to get along. And I, I just loved it. I loved it that he he put he put the zealot with the tax collector. <laughs> and then and, didn't and, tell and, Yeah. And, and what? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did like it, though, that once they're in the thought process, yeah. then... They become to me that was kind of a moment when I realized they had all the same fears that we had. They'd been hanging out with Jesus already for a while, but they had the same fears. Like, what am I supposed to say? Mm-hmm. I have well anything I've anything you've heard me say before, <laughs> and I'm like, well, I wouldn't go around as much as I enjoy Ken's preaching, and I believe that the things that Ken says are true. And I think they come from a a good place in the heart and they come from the great place of the Bible and they're applicable. They're all those things. There's a lot of things that I wouldn't be comfortable saying because I'm not confident in that area like Ken is. And to to think that, well, yeah, if you've heard me say it, go out and do it. And all right. I feel a little bit hurt right now, Randy. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, because I wouldn't. Given our earlier conversation, I feel very disappointed that you wouldn't be going out and sharing my views and, and thoughts on things. No, well, no. If I heard you say it in the course of a, even a message or a sermon, now the other stuff I'm pretty much on board with. I mean, just because we dis- <laughs> just because we disagree, I would definitely share those. No, just kidding. No, but we uh, we had a great talk on politics earlier, the guys. We, we didn't record, and we you're never going to hear. But anyway, but seriously. How do you take somebody else's words that you know to be true and maybe that you even agree with them, but I don't, I don't speak like Ken. And when Ken speaks, he's got this down and I'm sure it had to be the same for the disciples when you sit and listen and go, I'm not sure all of what I just heard, but I like it and it feels right. And now I know that I'm following the Messiah but you want me to say what you said? I, that's like putting a, a whole a load on on. But who's on to your, say you're not doing it right now? I you, wouldn't. I wouldn't think of it that way, though. Well, I, I think that's a lot of people think. Yeah. But I, you know, I do think that it, that what Jesus was asking these disciples to do was to go out and and communicate with people the way in which those days. People communicated with people. Yeah. Sometimes it's just literally setting up a box in the middle of, of a street, so to speak. But we have different types of platforms today. And I don't I don't think Jesus is any I, I love what we, we talked about in our in our in the sermon this last week. There's lots of ways. I mean, good grief, we have actually more ways in the last 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. Just from social media. What does it mean to be somebody on social media that has a Christ-like heart and says the things that he says with a little bit of bravery sometimes, you know, because the opposition is out there. And that's, I mean, if there are one thing I was really wanting to get across in that sermon is what's keeping you back? Yeah. Mm, yeah. What's keeping you back from sharing the gospel? Because I just, I firmly, <laughs> to the core of my being, believe that Every single follower of Jesus has been called to share Jesus with others. How they share Jesus with others varies greatly. The context, where, when, those things, but every single one of us who claim to be followers of Jesus have been called to share Jesus with the world around, the the, the, the people that God's laid it on our heart to share Jesus with. And I just think that we unfortunately tend to make it way more complicated than it really is. It is not any more difficult than what that clip that I used in the, it's just share what you've heard Jesus tell you. What is it that's happened in your life? You don't have to have all the the theology of it figured out, but this is what Jesus has done for me. This is what I see Jesus doing. This is what I believe about Jesus. And sharing those things, it just, it's so important. And you know what? I mean, what I've discovered is, is that people will not necessarily listen to sermons 
but they will listen to friends. They'll listen to their friends sharing what they've experienced. And when people come to Whole Life, I find out more often than not, it's because there was a friend that said, hey, you really ought to come here. There's there's this good thing or that good thing. It's not because they were, you know, there's some people that do go through the phone book, I guess, if there are <laughs> phone books anymore, and or go through, or, or Google churches near me or whatever, and they, they go and, or maybe... Sometimes that happens, but I would easily say that easily 80 to 90% of the people that walk through the doors at Whole Life were invited by somebody else to be here. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think people really resonated with this idea when it's like, well, just, yeah, just do what Jesus has done yeah. for you, right? Just talk Whatever. about it. Yeah. But we look at it as such a calling and maybe the elevation of how we hold Jesus mm-hmm. to this high elevation, which he should be. Yeah. He deserves all of that. But when, but the rest of us don't. <laughs> but when, and so, and so the Ken cover letter story just uh, <laughs> was just was the best because when he said that his top five reasons that he shouldn't be hired was, and I was just like bad temper. Ooh, dang it! Check. I don't bite my tongue. Ah, oh, check. Anti-authoritarian. Check. Things in my past I'm not proud of. Check. And he's like, ah, there was at least one, <laughs> at least one more. And I'm like, but I won't fill in the blank because I don't want to admit to anymore. But, but the reason that. We don't do it. And I think this is the larger problem, at least for me, as I've as my church journey has grown over the years, is that we don't have somebody up front that will that is willing to say for fear of either people thinking poorly of them, maybe it's their job, depending on what church they're in, but to actually admit that I'm not perfect. Putting on a jacket and a tie is a is a corporate structure kind of thing that somehow doesn't cleanse you of all unrighteousness and that pastors sin as well. And they're just part of our community. Like today we talked in staff, oh yeah, we have a, we're staff and we, we try to guide and direct and, and lead our ministries and lead our church the best that we can. But at the end, we're all still people that want to be here. And I think for most of us, it would be probably all of us. This would be where we would go to church or where we were in church before we were hired here. So I think it's a huge part of of that is t- for us and for leadership to also say, yeah, we're not Jesus and we don't claim to be. We're just here doing the best that we know how. And yeah, we're not perfect yeah. either. Yeah, it, it kind of hit me as you were saying that, that one of the things I, I, I genuinely believe about the staff that are here is that, yeah, if we weren't staff, we would be going to church here. If we were yeah. working in the Orlando <laughs> community outside of working in denominational employment, this is where we'd be. And I and the reason I, I can say that with a lot of confidence is a lot of the people who have retired <laughs> or moved on to other jobs still, stay, still here. stay here and go to church here. Like I said, out of this sermon, I just wanted people to take away, it's important that we be authentic and and it's important for us to understand there just aren't perfect people out there. There, We all have an excuse for why we don't need to share Jesus or why we're not qualified or why we don't know the right thing to say or, or we have this thing that's holding us back or that thing that's holding us We all have it, whether we're pastors or not pastors. I mean, I often joke with people that the whole reason I became a pastor is because God knew that's what he had to do for me <laughs> to help me out. It, it was more for me than it was for anybody else, and I'm, I'm, I hope that through the process that I'm helpful to other people, but but I just often feel like that that being a pastor was, was about me being closer to Jesus, because, and I'm grateful. It was I had to make the decision to trust Jesus with that and go that route, because that's where I heard him calling. And that was the other thing that I really wanted people to take out, because I often, you know, you hear the pastor, oh, I don't want to be a pastor or whatever, and then God called me, so I'm doing it. And the other part I really wanted people to get out of this, being a pastor is not like the end-all, be-all of following Jesus. It's I feel like when I was working in television news and when I was on radio, I was serving Jesus every bit as much mm, yeah. as when I was here, or being here, or being a pastor. I th- I'm blessed and love what I do as a pastor, but it's it's not the only place <laughs> where where Jesus followers make an impact for the kingdom. In fact, I think that you know for those of you who work in any profession, whether it's uh, whatever it is, whether you consider it a lowly profession or whether you consider it some you know a high profession, 
wherever you're at, if Jesus has called you there, that is a just a completely worthwhile and a in a ministry of its own. Just just being a Christian in your workplace and sharing Christ in whatever way that Christ puts in front of you, that's ministry. And you know, sometimes that's mm. just being the best accountant you can be, being honest with your numbers and putting in an honest day's work. You maybe you don't ever give a Bible study, but you live a life that exemplifies what it means to be honest and above board and whatever. That is a calling, and that is God. No, God, sure. God wants to use you as His disciple in that profession. I think for me, what made me look back a little bit on I've done a lot of different careers. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it until you actually start looking at your resume, yeah, and then you look right. at, and then you look at the. How do I get this all on one page? <laughs> that resume before that one, because that's all on one page. Now you have another one. I'm into my third resume iteration since the beginning, and all of them are one pagers. So I've done a lot of different things, and you know, pastor has ne- technical title of pastor has never been one of them. But I have been asked to preach a handful, couple, maybe dozen times. And the thing that struck me when Ken was preaching this, and and what he just said about being a pastor, is. God can use you no matter what you're doing. There's some of the most impactful times are when you do exactly what you just said. You do your job, you do it well, you do it with integrity, and you do it with a smile on your face, and you treat everybody with respect, and people notice and go, why didn't you yell at them? Or why didn't you get upset when this person totally dumped on you on the meeting and you didn't even say anything? Or any any one of those, and you have a, the door's open, you have a chance, and people go, you're you're different. What about me? What about you? makes you different. And once they find out you've had that chance, the whole, you've given the Holy Spirit's opened the door. You did what you were there to do. And now it's up to him or her to do what they're going to do. But the times that I've also been asked to preach, not every occasion, but I can think of two. The first time some people came up afterwards and were like, I'm so glad you were the person bringing the message today. We brought someone that's never been to church before. They needed to hear this message, and you said exactly what they needed to hear. They were crying. They gave me a hug, and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. You know, like, not that I would want to do it every week because it's pain. Well, it's painstaking, at least for me, because that's I've never <laughs> I'd never done one before. And I don't know if it got any easier over the next six or seven or more. But just to see that no matter what you're doing, if you're doing it with Jesus at your back, helping you, walking alongside, pushing you along and, and helping you, it, it you get that no matter what you do. And I, I thought that was a really great part of the message that Ken pointed out. And then, of course, the real reason that just made me cry like a baby in the theater that I totally was not suspecting or expecting was the little James ending. Oh, yeah. Um, after all of that, and as we talked Friday night here at the viewing, and we people, you know, I was sharing what, what I really liked about the episode and there was so many different pieces and so many lessons that you could learn and the way that they set this up and they, the things that they made you think about that you hadn't thought about before. But when little James comes to this exchange and yes, holy imagination, but I would love to believe that even if that didn't happen, that was the kind of exchange that Jesus had with his disciples when they brought serious questions to him one-on-one that we I mean, we can't, obviously we don't know about them all. There would be, that'd be crazy that there would just be so much information that we could learn about. But as someone who has a a special needs person, my daughter, that you can't avoid people knowing about, and you really put yourself in little James shoes where he's almost afraid to ask (laughs) the episode before Thomas says, well, you you think he doesn't know, or you don't think people like he hasn't noticed even by like you're walking and but it's just to, to hear Jesus say, the Father and I trust you with this because, oh, yeah, healing story. Wouldn't that be great? But that would be one of hundreds and or, or thousands. But you trust enough to say and to follow and to uh, claim the glory of God to everyone in spite of. And there's a power to that. And at first, I really didn't like that because it was just like after we had gotten our, the, her diagnosis before it was a actual diagnosis by blood work, you get told, well, 
the the ever famous and you know God, God must trust you, you know, a lot. <laughs> yeah, God, God knew exactly who she needed as parents. And right. You're just like I just come a little closer. Your throat's not nearly <laughs> close enough to me. And bad thoughts happen and run through your mind, and you just you just hate all of it. You haven't had a chance to move into that. And then even later, when you you kind of grasp it, you've you know we had an anointing service and we prayed for healing, and of course that that didn't happen, and so kind of felt like that. And then even to this day, that there are people that just aren't ready to or don't know how to interact with. You still get looks, you get exclusion, you get all these different things that just break your heart as a as a parent. And then you think about this and go. If this is true, and I, I believe that the the intent behind it is true, that Jesus and God do put trust in us to do things that we probably can't, well, we can't do without them, but with they know what we can handle, they, they've given us that. And when you look at that, all the struggle, and it just, sometimes it feels like you're on a teeter-totter and you never get to come down. But then this is like at the end when he comes back and he says, you're going to be healed. We're all going to be healed someday. Just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. If that isn't something that, and again, that holy imagination or not, that just, in my journey, that one really solidified and just stuck with me that on top of what I've already felt about just being what I've gone through and what I believe that just made me love Jesus even more, whether or not, like I said, that, that didn't happen that we know of, obviously that's something they created, but to feel like that would be something that Jesus absolutely would do into how he would interact with someone like little James or like my Emily. And it was really weird this week, a Facebook post from nine years ago, where I was having maybe one of the worst days of my life as a father with IEP school. And I had written this long post and I was a little angry with God. And I was a little angry with myself for not listening to God by the end of it. And this episode made me wreath. It just popped up in my feet as nine years. And it just, it wasn't lost on me that I think nine years ago, he'd already planted that in me. And that this episode just really mm. brought that out and solidified my 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 walk with Jesus has never been as good as it has started after that nine years ago, and this just this just felt and it really I hate the word deja vu because I think that's a little I don't know what it is but I it, I don't I don't really care for the term or some of the theology I've heard behind it but when it feels like you've been somewhere before and it's as palpable and as real as a smell a taste a touch a feel a a, a, a solid memory, whatever you want to say. This just really, even more so, hit home to me this week, and it was uh, cool. by far, by far, by far, my favorite episode. Besides all of just the other dynamics that you learn, and you think, you know, we pick on the children of Israel, and we certainly pick on, <laughs> we certainly pick on the disciples because they had Jesus. And yet you look at this episode and go, yeah, I'd have been right there with the rest of these guys going, you're sending me out with Ken and Jeff? Oh, man. Lucky you. Oh, man, we're never going to make it out there. No. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, if there's something to hold on to, man, it is, we're all going to be healed. It's just a matter of time and and makes you think about heaven and all those things. And it's a good place to hang out for a little while if you haven't for a while. Yeah. Cool. Let's get to... The chat. And I, first off, I want to say Matthew, who is our newest online worship host. Good job, Matthew. Matthew, great job. And his his skill right now his, is the is the chat. He's asking questions. He's creating conversation. Good. He's he's getting he's brewing questions. He's stirring the pot, getting the, everyone ready to go. I think <laughs> he's a good guy. I, I think I could make this work, and we get some questions out of this. He's really brought a, a really nice connectedness to that. And so, Matthew, I know you He's also you're, one of our listeners here, so yeah. Yeah, he won't hear this till next week. So thank you a week after an, uh, a week oh. after the fact, Matthew. He All stays right. a week behind just so it's kind of, okay. his, kind of his thing. Kind so. of his thing. Gotcha. Amy, if you 
listen to I think you listen to it on regular time. You can tell them early if you want, but otherwise, yeah, make them wait. Anyway, <laughs> Ava was watching from Egypt during first service. Oh, very this cool, week. Ava. And so she checked in, and I just happened, I was curious. From Egypt. From Egypt. Now I'm not sure what chance, but How the only fun. Cairo and uh, what was the other Alexandria one? Alexandria or. Um... One of the big cities. I, I searched Egypt in the iPhone app where it gives you the world clock, and it gave us two instances. In both of those cities, it was plus seven. So it had been about almost 545 in the evening when she would have oh, been okay. watching. Okay. But just in first service by us, about 945. So uh, just wanted to say welcome if by chance you're a listener and. If not, Welcome. Yeah, that's just remember awesome. for those of us that are here, when we have we have, our online ministry is alive and thriving, and people you never know where someone might be watching from. That's very cool. And then I thought uh, Craig was uh, very astute <laughs> in his. He's, he kind of gave his overall theme because we were kind of short on time for the Q and A. And you know why is suffering so important? Mm. And uh, you know something to think about since then. And he left us with a teaser, so we're going to tackle the teaser right away. Let's do it. Because I think it's uh, it's well worth it. And this was from someone who logged in as suffering person. Hmm. So first off, suffering person, I want you to know that I was here a little bit later on Saturday afternoon than normal. Just uh, my family was at an event, and I was here, so I thought, well, I'll get, a, I'll get the stuff posted online, the sermon. And while I was doing that, God just put it on my heart that I've been praying for you since Saturday, suffering person, just because I'm not sure what you're up against and what's going on in your life. Yeah. But just want you to know that someone's praying for you here. And uh, suffering person said, why does suffering need purpose? Why can't I serve God without the suffering defining me or how I serve? That sounds abusive to me. Oof. Mm. It, it does feel a little abusive from just a, a world outlook of why do I have to suffer all the time? Isn't why do I take the why do I have to take the abuse? Why does suffering need purpose? Or does it need does God have maybe it's why does suffering need God's purpose? Does God have a purpose for suffering? Or does it does it need to? It's this would be a hard question to answer in even the amount of time. I know Ken got approached by it and I was I was thinking there are volumes and volumes of <laughs> yeah. books written on this very topic. It's a very good question in terms of why is suffering here, period? Why do we have yeah. – I mean, and to answer to answer the question in one way, and that is that it is a universal issue. It's not – and I, I do think we have to look at it from the standpoint of why am I suffering it needs to be saying, you know, the, the one thing we can say is, why do we all suffer? Hmm. Because it isn't just me. And, you know, when you reflect on it, you kind of go, well, in comparison, it feels like my suffering <laughs> is. <Yeah. laughs> but if you go down that road, you know, suffering has been through the ages um, a, a, a human problem. It's been a human issue. So it maybe there maybe we shouldn't be looking for meaning as much as we should be looking for levels of how do i enter somebody else's suffering and maybe that provides an you know maybe that does provide somewhat of a pathway for me to enter into um in a sense a not just compassion, but in a way I can share in somebody else's misery or suffering. So defining you or how they serve, what you're saying, I think you're saying is maybe we can take a little bit of that reactiveness and make it proactive and look for ways that we can maybe help ourselves as well, yeah. but someone else? Well, I, I think that's part of the conversation that Jesus is having with Simon oh, okay. is, is that he's he's saying to you, you know, and not that he was trying to bring some kind of positive affect to his problem, <laughs> but he was trying to help Simon realize that, you know, God trusts you. That's the word, by the way, you mentioned it, which was really cool. Yeah. There's a trust here. And when we can finally get to that point, and that's a hard point to get to. Yeah, no. I'm not saying it's meaning. Or I'm not even saying it's a solution. I'm just saying when we can get to that point where, you know, in my suffering, I 
actually can find a way in which I, I can move into somebody else's life. And maybe that's meaning, maybe that's just answering a call mm. within my suffering. Yeah, you know, I don't, I've been really thinking about what, why does suffering have to define us? Um, you know, I guess I just always go back to the fact that, that suffering wasn't part of the Garden of Eden. It wasn't part of, I don't see it in Genesis as being a part of that perfect Eden experience where when God brings order out of the chaos during creation week, he creates perfection and there isn't suffering. So I don't see suffering as being something that that God wants to be a part of our life. And yet sin somehow has created that suffering in our world. And somehow at times that suffering can produce character development. You know, if you're a suffering person, and I don't know what you're hurting from, so I don't want to at all try to put a, you know, rainbows and unicorns yeah, philosophy no, sure. on to, the, oh, it's all good, you're going to be happy in the long run. Because, you know, depending on how you're suffering, maybe maybe you're not going to be particularly happy during during life. Maybe there there is a lot of hurt and pain there. For me... I look back at some of the times that have been the most painful in my life, and I don't ever want to go back to them. And yet, if I had the chance to erase them from my life, I wouldn't, because they've developed me as a person. And so, uh, you know, my temptation out of the box was to say, oh, no, suffering doesn't define you. And yet, oftentimes, suffering does define us, doesn't it? It defines the decisions we're going to make, the character we're going to choose to have, and we're what we're going to do with that that suffering and that pain. You know, like I said, I don't wish suffering on anybody, but I also am, as I look back, grateful for the some of the, the traumatic things that have happened in my life because I don't think I would be as as good of a pastor. I don't think I would be as good as a husband or a father, if I hadn't gone through those experiences. And at the same time, I share those mistakes I've made in my life with my kids, hoping that they can avoid the suffering that I've been through, through my experience. So I know one thing, and, and it's for me, this is one of those, it's one of those things where I believe it by faith. It's a it's a Hebrews faith thing where I don't I believe that God is good. I believe he God is not sadistic and I believe that God doesn't enjoy my suffering. And if you were to ask me to scientifically prove it, I think it'd be a little bit hard for me to do. And yet I do believe God is love and I do believe that whatever suffering comes into my life, that God will walk with me in it. And I think it's um, interesting that Jesus was called the suffering servant, which I, I know that uh, you know the person who asked the question can say, well, why did Jesus have to suffer? That doesn't seem particularly pleasant or whatever. And again, there are volumes of books, and you have to find for you what 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 resonates with you and i can only speak to what resonates with me when it comes to suffering and that may be different than what resonates with randy or with jeff when it comes to it you know when you when randy when you look at the suffering in your life i don't know what what makes it make sense to you and how you look at god because of it i can only see it through the lens that i look through and for me i unequivocally believe that I serve a loving God. I also, in that tension, believe that God has allowed suffering to come in my life that he felt like was going to be good for me. You know, okay. it's like going to the gym, right? So hold on. So yep. hold on. We're right there. I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, more to go. But we have a couple other questions that mimic suffering persons, but they bring in an extra question. Matthew asked, why is it important to suffer for following Christ? 
what will this achieve? But the real question at the end, why does he trust us with these struggles? <laughs> why? I mean, you, you know, you just said you you found some things that worked, but it, knowing that he had to come to save us because we couldn't do this on our own, and knowing that these struggles were going to be difficult and monumental in some cases for some of us. But why trust us with it then? Or is he just saying, yeah. I'm not trusting you to, to work it out. I'm telling you, trust me to help you work it out. So I'm, I'll, I'll be honest. I I don't think that I would, I mean, I have a, I have a, I have a cardiologist a couple of, well, five years ago, actually this month, um, I you know, worked, went through a heart, heart attack and there was a lot that I had to change and a lot that I had to do. I'm not going to call it suffering because I think the pain was minimal comparatively speaking when you think it was a it was a massive heart attack but it was not a one that killed me and so I'm I'm thankful for that. Us too. It's it, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but when I went to my my doctor, I you know, I said, you know, I trusted him. I trusted. Yeah. Him because of his level of science and understanding. But he didn't know, because I, like I said, I, I, I did suffer, but I didn't, I'm not going to call it, I'm not going to compare it to anybody else's suffering. But I remember going to somebody who had already had a widow maker and already experienced the very same thing that I had gone through. And yes, talking with my doctor was one thing, but talking with them was a completely, completely different, different level. Yeah. Because mm. they understood what it was that I went through. And I think sometimes, maybe if nothing else, it qualifies us to give some sort of understanding to people who are on these journeys of suffering that can last sometimes decades. And, you know, it's just a hard thing. Uh, so, you know, whether you're a cancer, you know, sometimes yeah. we have, well, I, you know, I have... You know her well. And yeah. We have relatives, we have friends, we have people who have gone through some pretty immense levels of suffering, treatments, and so forth. And who do we send? We don't send people who are dealing, who know how to, they don't send me, they don't send people that are counseling people for, you know, anxiety and depression. They send people that have gone through it. Sure. So I do think that there is that level of... And I think that's the holy imagination yeah. of Jesus tells little James, this is going to define, has defined and will define the rest of your life. Yeah. Maybe there's some truth to that part where once you've walked a mile in someone's shoes, I, in my aunt's memorial last weekend, I was two weekends ago, I was in Wisconsin and, and a cousin that I haven't seen for years, both of us have struggled with alcohol addiction in our past. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he had no idea because he sees pictures of... Once social media came about, you know, that was, I was already pretty much past that. And you see the part where Randy's at church, Randy's doing this, this, and he said, I would have never, ever, because we just didn't live close enough or have that close of a relationship for him to know that. And then to compare notes as to how you make it through, right. what worked, what do you still do when you have that, you have those days where you're like, you know, could stop ABC's on the way home, you know, and it would be just that easy. And I think you're right. I think that it was comforting, even though it was a great overall, it was a great weekend. So lots of people I hadn't seen for 20 years or more. And it was a really overall, really solid weekend. But it really brought me comfort to listen to someone who I care about who yeah. also went through the same thing, and neither one of us really knew the depth of our stories. And I feel a lot better about where I'm at yeah. than I did before. True. And I wasn't, it wasn't like I was in the, a present struggle. You know what I mean? Well, people that do struggle with addictions know that it's not the psychiatrists, it's the 12-step people that they went through <laughs> yeah. those, those steps with that, yeah. that made the difference. Yeah. Well, and, and Aaron said, we're repeating a little bit, but I feel like she's coming at it from a, a little bit different does God ordain and orchestrate the suffering or does he just use the suffering that is brought about? In other words, is it not a living, natural consequence of living in the sinful world or other people's free will or the enemy's doing and turning it around for a good purpose? I'm not asking this as a reflection of God's character. I'm curious though if it comes directly from him for our good or if he just uses it under the circumstance and turns it into an opportunity for good. 
And that's a, I'm sure that this, are we, is this so another you might volume? Get, you might have three different opinions yeah. <laughs> in the room. So I'll just give you my, my, my belief on this yeah. is that it's yes and. So I believe that sometimes God actually orchestrates suffering um, that comes into our life. And I believe that there are times where he uses suffering that's come into our life. So that would probably be where I would... I would say some things because it seems like when you think about the story of Joseph, he orchestrates some of the suffering that, that hmm. Joseph says that uh, don't don't blame yourselves, my brothers. God <laughs> God <laughs> yeah. orchestrated this. So there's Ugh. so it, to me, it's hard to escape that there seems to be places in the Bible where God does allow there to be suffering. But I don't believe that all suffering, like the suffering that Job experiences, clearly came from the from Satan. Although God allowed it, um, <laughs> but so so Joseph, real quick, I have a question yeah. that just popped in. If if God orchestrated that, does that mean that God orchestrated the the hearts of his brothers and his? I mean, he was Joseph was a narcissist a little bit, a little narcissistic <laughs> with his dreams and lording it over his brothers. So was that a, a mixture of God orchestrating both sides to come to the conclusion that this punk needs to go down in the pit until we can? Oh, hey, money! Let's sell, let's like let's sell him. I don't. That's the part that is there. Is this a percentage? Is this a the big cup game in the sky where God maneuvers? I I, I, I don't know. And that's where I'd say good people can disagree. I think that you could take yeah. that story and say, well, no, you know, God God orchestrated their bad behavior, and God didn't have that planned originally. And, and like I said, good people can disagree on this. For me, it seems to me like God does it, and it, God works all things together for the good of those that love mm. him and are called according to his purpose. So, um, I'll say an unqualified, unqual- yeah. well, I don't we know. Said, we actually had a—this has always been a question, I think, in Christendom. I, I do think that it's a good question, though. It, yeah. It defines uh, maybe a little bit about how you were brought up, too, mm. in terms of— <laughs> How you would look at yourself within your family? Sure, you know, did, did my, did, you know, because some people have parents that, hey, if he's gonna, if he's gonna learn to know that the stove is hot, let him touch it. You know, go ahead, let him do it. Sure. And others would say, my my dad wouldn't let you know me go near the stove, or you know, those kind of things. Sure. And so I do think, uh, you know, it's interesting because you can read in the Bible. Uh, ways in which this kind of goes both ways. It looks like sure. sometimes, you know, especially Joseph's last comment, by the way, God designed all of this, you know, it's like he <laughs> did it to, for good. And so um, on the other side of it, I also think that there is an openness to God that I, I don't think he designs evil either. So I don't think that he, you know, although you can say, well, he worked with a lot of the people that oppressed the Israelites and looks like he made them, you know, come in. But again, it's sometimes perspective and how you see the story unfolding. But I do, I, you know, I'm not going to say one way or the other, but I do think there's some interesting and very compelling arguments on both sides. Oh, come on, Jeff, take a, take a, <laughs> I, take, I took a position. You I, can, take a bold stand. I have a hard time. I'll just tell you that. I have a hard time with God who maneuvers mm. suffering. Yeah in his children to get something that he's hoping his children will learn. I do think that a lot of the stuff that we talk about is the chaos of sin that God, you know, he gave us the free choice. And I do think free choice is extremely important to God, that the freedom of us to move in and around this chaos is extremely important for him that we have that choice. So does that make him, well, well, then why didn't he step in? That's another piece, you know, that, that piece there. So I guess you can, you can argue it on that side too. So I like to think of it personally. And I just, this is just what I think of God and what I, what I think he would do or maybe do, or at least what, what pops into my head, just thinking of the Joseph story. I have a real, like, I have a hard time thinking about what you just said, God maneuvering, you know, pieces and parts. And I believe that free will is something that he values. But I also think sometimes we don't see the, when we don't know the whole beginning from the end, maybe this is God putting on the brakes and just going, Hey, they were going to kill him. Okay. 
that that's that's what was gonna happen. But with a little break pushing and a little bit of nudging with the Holy Spirit, there was enough good left in them that we just sold them for slavery. And then I knew there was something that I could do for him and I could do for my people and 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 make that work. Because yeah, that's I, how openness people people that are saying God is you know he doesn't do any of these things. He's not talk about the flood because the flood's pretty big deal. Sure. And and then all of a sudden they're saying, well, the reason he stepped in there was because everybody's going to kill themselves anyway, so he needed to preserve some people yeah. and a few of the animals. So, yeah, I'm boy, those are all narratives that <laughs> no, we, I know. we could spin for a while. So, yeah. And like I said, I think you have to find your meaning with God and what what yeah. makes sense to you and yep. and Jeff's not Jeff's correct in saying that I think the way you were brought up will often flavor the sure. way that you happen to see that. I, I think that all that's true. I, the one that I always have a hard, that maybe the hardest time with is the verse that, or the multiple verses that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Yeah. <laughs> that one just is always like, well, he might make the right decision, but I think I should harden his heart again and make sure he makes the decision I need him to. We got locusts already on the way. I can't stop them now. They released him. What am I supposed to do? And that's how I always get stuck on that one and think, eh, I'm not sure how that one works. But God doesn't, I guess. I'll leave it at that and know that whatever it was, it was supposed to be. But all right, wrapping up, of course, you know, we always have the level-headed and lovely t Cinco. If God could only use those who were perfect, God would have nothing to work with. Well, good point there. We'll go ahead and agree. And uh, Nashville Tim, too. I'm a little disappointed that the Orlando the Orlandalorian has been put to bed. What? Yeah. Or Nashville Tim, too. Unless there's an imposta among us, Tim, let us know. Excellent can ultimate message. Ah. <laughs> uh, no, that's yeah. not the imposter. <laughs> no, I, that's the right one. That's I what got, I got. Uh, yeah. I got a text message from Nashville <laughs> Tim saying uh, that my penultimate, penultimate, I must have meant penultimate. Ultimate. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think so. And then finally, Trafina, which uh, it's always good to see Trafina in the comments. And she said, the Chosen's version is the best I have seen for unhealed afflictions. The little James scene. But are we even qualified to say that to someone? We are not Jesus. Probably not. (laughs) You know, as you're going through, you know, your own set of difficulties, whatever those are, and sometimes it makes us feel like, well, they'll understand more if they think I've been through something. And it's like, that's not usually a good idea. That doesn't. (laughs) Having Jesus say that the Father trusts you is a little different than any of us saying that. Yeah, Yeah, no. But, Trofina, good to to see you in the comments. And I, that. Good point. Definitely a good point. Okay, so if you haven't seen uh, Season 3, we're giving you the chance to do it because we're not talking about any more Season 3. We're back to Season 2, Episode (laughs) 1. And this is a cl- this is uh, this is like total classic chosen, and it's thunder. If you can only imagine oh, yeah. where the thunder right. might come from, or where it might be being called from, and on who, and for what, and for when, and all that good stuff. We don't have to guess very long, do we? <laughs> not too much. <laughs> Probably not even if you haven't seen it. And that's we're crediting that. Ken, you have a lot of favorites. I do. Every so single do one I. I preached on. Yeah. So do I. I. Each one of them has been so so good, and so many. Just the, I think like you were talking about earlier, Jeff, just putting it back in the time period yep. and, and getting those parts where it really helps you visually get a feeling for, because that's hard to do if you're not a Bible scholar to understand that. When you read the Bible, you can read what happened, but it just gives it such a deeper flavor and context that yeah. it, even though that the the holy imagination parts aren't biblical, it really sets a tone for those parts when they do get to those parts which are biblical that you get an idea of, wow, that was a lot bigger a lot bigger deal than I thought it would have been. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I actually, it's not just the holy imagination piece. I really appreciate the research that has been That's gone true. into yeah. these things for those imaginative narratives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they're not just making things up on a whim. I mean, they've got a pretty good group of people a lot of their behind-the-scenes stuff, if you go to thechosen.tv, they have behind-the-scenes on yeah. a ton of the background that they do and the people that speak into those right. scenarios. Yeah. So to know that they're trying to be as accurate about the what-could-be's right. as possible to give you and to connect the story. So yeah. that's pretty cool. All right. Much as I hate to say it, Ken, last week, this is it. It's this over. It. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, I don't know what we're going to do. 
after this, honestly. I'm we'll carry on some. I know, but I'm a little I'm more than a little disappointed that we're it seems like are we gonna do at first I thought we're more than a little disappointed we only did nine weeks of I know. (laughs) But at the beginning I was like, man, he I think he bit off more than we a nine? Uh, what are we gonna talk about for nine episodes of the chosen? And now I'm you like, you think about that out of me a lot, don't you? Because I think, well, I, I never like know where you're been... going for sure. Because you're just, you always have a little extra twist in there. I bet you're looking forward to my Seven Churches of Revelation series. Where could he be going there? Well, now, <laughs> to I'll... Turkey. That's where we're going. <laughs> Can I be honest? Yeah, I know little. Of, I like my my knowledge of Revelation. My 17 year old is like a Revelation freak. She she <laughs> when she was in like third grade, I'm like, what are you reading? Revelation. <laughs> and I'm like, why? She's like, it's interesting. Have you ever read Revelation? I'm like, well, I have, but I didn't find it that interesting. And to her, it's like, so I'm sure she's excited about that. And I'm a little excited because I feel like I'm going to learn things that I really don't know very much about because it's Good. just not some place that I go and hang out with in the Bible that often. I don't choose the Fine. Revelation reading plans when I go into the... <laughs> oh, Revelation, let's skip past that one. Well, we'll, we'll start you off easy with the right, uh, seven right. churches of Revelation. Next, uh, maybe next 2024, we'll move you into some of the more... I mean, I've been to Revelation seminars, but uh, I... Uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. All right. Let's just say that. We'll do that. All right. This you know week... what else we're looking forward to? What else? Jeff preaching. What? Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right after this right. series. Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So it's this week. It is season two, episode it's the one. The finale. Of so it's the finale this this coming finale. Sabbath, and, and then after that, standalone. Then that's you. Yeah. All right. So we've got this to look forward to. If you can't make it on Friday night last week, and if you you missed me last week, so you had your chance. That's already that ship has sailed. Although I might be here on Friday night. You never know. Just to All meet right. the last night. If you want to watch season two, episode one, Thunder, the link, if you swipe up in this episode in the show notes, when you go down to the bottom and it says next week, Thunder, Ken will be preaching. There's a link right underneath that to watch the episode. So if you can't nice. be here in person, watch it ahead of time because it's always helpful to know in what context. We're only using two or three clips, usually per message, and that helps you to see what it's actually in reference to if you see the whole episode and can't be here. But if not, be here at 7 o'clock. We are on third floor. Come in the lobby right in the middle of the room. Take the elevator to floor three, and you'll be around the corner from us, and you'll smell the popcorn when you get the door open, Mm. and you'll know where to go from there. So that shall do it for this week. Hope to see you on Friday night. But in the meantime, everyone, have a great week. 